the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Oh, welcome in. Hello, 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 hello. Is this thing on? I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money investing and more. Oh, boy. Another day, another dollar, right? And we get deeper in this political season to eventually put behind us is the thought Wall Street is able to digest anything. I think we've made that pretty clear. Wall Street can digest it. Wall Street can get through this. Not the worst thing in the world, but political season is something we have to go through. Obamacare repeal would bring huge tax cut for the rich. So says research at this point in time. That's what we're kind of dealing with on political season. Will there be Obamacare? Will there not? And there's money to be made and money to be lost. Initial jobless claims remain troublingly high. Troublingly high. What are you, high? Spicoli? U.S. economy saw yet another historically high number of first-time unemployment insurance claims. Again, this is my job, and I'm doing the best I can. Please note that. Uh, Don't boo. Just say Lou when you're not happy with what I'm saying. But 837,000 is too high of a number. We're not used to that kind of number, first-time unemployment claims. But this is COVID. This is Christmas. Da, 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 da. Um, 837,000. We want that number around 350,000. So if I have a heart attack day and everything goes back to normal in the next month, you're looking for a number right around 350,000 or lower. 837,000 is way too freaking fracking high. Continuing claims hit 11.7 million. Um, versus numbers of 12.2 million. Again, way too high to even digest and say anything other than historically that's a horrible number. Yet during COVID, it's improving. That's not how we want to play this game in my mind, but that's how we're being forced to play this game right now. We're almost saying bad numbers are good. That was a concept that came up earlier this week. When after the big debate, we start looking at is the economy doing enough in retail sales or not? Is the economy doing enough in auto sales or not? Is the economy doing and bad news now is being thought of as, well, maybe we'll just continue to fight it with stimulus 
or lower interest rate. We're not going lower interest rates. We're, we're low, and we're set to be low for two years. So says this Fed. <laughs> I can't imagine they can go back on that. But maybe they could. So anyway, um, back to me, 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 me. Um, yesterday, it, we kind of got excited about a stimulus deal out of Washington. That understanding looks to be the swing factor right now on the stock market. If we get stimulus, we move higher. If we don't, we get nervous. The House is delaying a vote on a $2.2 trillion stimulus plan, which wouldn't clear the Senate to allow more time for negotiations. But what it would do, all those senators would be able to go home. No, no, no. All the House of Representatives would be able to go home and say, look what we did. We got a stimulus bill done. And the stupid Senate, they didn't get it done. So that's kind of how negotiations go. The White House has bumped up its stimulus plan to $1.6 trillion, with more aid for state and local governments and a higher payment for enhanced unemployment benefits than previously proposed. They're getting there. Are they at $2.2 trillion? No. Are they at $1.6 trillion? Yes. Will they compromise? It's expected, but I'm going to start ca uh, couching everything, and it's not guaranteed. We had pretty good results from PepsiCo last night. If you ever get a chance to look at Pepsi, it's, the company's called PepsiCo. Think of it as Pepsi Company Co. <clears throat> if you ever get a chance to really look at Pepsi, they are a lot of brands. And when I say a lot of brands, um, Doritos. Think of them as like a snack food manufacturer. They are Aquafina, Cheetos, Doritos, Ruffles, Lay's, Gatorade, Tropicana, Mountain Dew, Pepsi. Pepsi. They're available in 200 plus countries. So I can't count that many countries that they're available in, but that's how many they're in. Um, most products are sold to independent distributors and retailers. I can't imagine logistics of always restocking the 7-Eleven's Pepsi fridge, but they could do it. The company operates about half its bottling plants and distribution facilities. Um... <clears throat> Good company, big company, strong company. So PepsiCo and Coca-Cola. You can understand that simple, simple business model, right? Those are the two. In the monopoly world of you know, consumer brands, these are the two. They also make rice aroni, that San Francisco treat, Near East side dishes. Uh, Quaker oatmeal, life cereal. Mikey likes it. Mikey didn't like it. Mikey choked on it and died. So it says urban meth. So that's a company that beat expectations. And it's a big uh, diversified company. Bed Bath Beyond, they got all serious about going uh, digital. ConAgra. Constellation brands, they make booze. Constellation brands, if you want to invest in liquor, wine, and essentially booze, 
they're they're a good player. That whole industry is consolidated to the point that if you were to put a gun to my head and say, tell me a company that will probably make money every year, every quarter, every month till the day you die, I'd say for sure I would bet on Constellation Brands. And it's kind of a secret sauce of, of successful investing. Starbucks is increasing its dividend. Woohoo! Oh. Not a lot of growth, so there's more income coming from the dividend. I know, right? <clears throat> Homer's excited. Um, price target on Amazon got re, uh, raised to a street high of 4500 That's 43% above yesterday's closing price. So one analyst says Amazon is so freaking fracking big. But we still see them getting 43% bigger. Okay. As someone famously once said, I'd buy that for a dollar. Price target, 43% higher. I still think you can get into Amazon. Consult Workerizer. Good job, my friend. Um, you still have time to get in if you want to. Um, is that the, my first choice? Not my first choice, but it's not a bad one to consider. Consult Workerizer for taking action on any stocks ever mentioned on the show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. So yesterday I did a little bit of digging into Best Buy. I had to study up because I'm trying to tell a story here on a regular basis. Best Buy CEO, Corey Berry. Um, feminine, Corey. Not masculine, Corey. Their CEO is a female. Um, there was a lot of allegations into misconduct against her at one point in time. She kind of survived that. No one would detail what was claimed inside the allegations of misconduct. I tend to feel, I don't know if this is fair, because maybe McDonald's CEO, Steve Easterbrook, gets into this sexual scandal of he didn't delete photos that he sent himself on his phone or something like that happened. And ultimately, the servers backed everything up, and he thought he deleted everything, and the board got wind of it, and then there was a cover-up, and there was an allegations. But Best Buy has a CEO, or has a CEO, Corey Berry, who has survived an allegation attack. She's a longtime Best Buy executive. It's one of a small handful of women that lead Fortune 500 companies. She's been chief financial and strategic officer for the company. So I did a lot of work yesterday on <clears throat> Best Buy because I, I think they're one of the winners of the pandemic. When the pandemic hit, Corey Berry made the decision voluntarily to close a thousand stores across the country. It had a major disadvantage as others flocked to other chains that sold electronics like Walmart and Costco or ordered online from Amazon. 
She could have kept stores open in some areas where Best Buy was considered an essential business because it sold products that allowed people to work from home or school. During the pandemic, March 2020, I feel I started really upping my technology game. Upgraded bandwidth speed, upgraded camera speed, cameras, everything. Through it all, through a lot of money. <clears throat> a lot of times Best Buy was shut. I ordered an extra printer or two. Because you can't have your kids doing schoolwork and needing to print something and take a photo of it, send it back to your teacher. Unless you have the ability to print. I hate Best Buy on so many levels. When I go in, the first thing I see is square footage. And again, it's the lens of Rob Black that sees everything financially speaking. You go in and you see this massive square footage, right? And you go, I bet this costs a lot of money. They don't own this building. They're paying rent to somebody in this little strip mall. But she took a chance, and I think she pulled it off beautifully. They've done a lot of upgrades to their technology, delivery, and their automation, their companies. The pandemic has widened the gap between retail's winners and losers. And I think they've come out on the side of winner. Do I own the stock? No. Do I respect the company? Yes. Some of this has to do with the strategy before the pandemic. Some of it has to do with the strategy during the pandemic. The company weathered the rise of Amazon. They weathered the collapse of other electronic retailers like Circuit City and Radio Shack. There's, I used to say something kind of funny on there. A lot of people wanted to own companies like Radio Shack. And I said, if you ever see me at a Radio Shack, I'll give you $10,000 cash. It'll be like a little weekend hunt for Rob Black at a Radio Shack game, but I was clearly never going to be in a Radio Shack because I don't need that dongle of a thingy-majig that plugs into the other thing. I don't need the adapter for a cord for a technology that's 25 years old. So I figured I'll never be in a uh, uh, Radio Shack. And then one day I was in a Radio Shack, and I was like, oh, I got to get out of here just in case someone recognizes me. And I got out. So other companies who have done the pandemic well, I think Costco, Target, Walmart, Best Buy, and Amazon. And that's essentially all the companies I'm going to throw out. And I could be wrong. I couldn't be wrong when I say this. But do you need a bigger list to think of from investing in other than those companies? I, I get you maybe a Costco person. I get, you know, Costco's got funny statistics like people still use it when they, they still sign up for their annual fee after they're dead. They actually count the, that number. Target, you could say, yeah, they're a little bit classier than Walmart. Walmart, you could say, they've been in it a long time, They know, and they get distribution. Walmart was one of the very first retail companies in America that started, um, how shall we say, uh, uh, computer analytics. They figured out from studying data that you were going to buy running shoes probably on the weekend, but cat litter in the middle of the week. So running shoes, they would staff a little more aggressively on weekends. And cat litter, they would staff a little bit more in the middle of the week. Cat litter. What a life a cat has, huh? Oh, nice kitty. Nice, nice, nice kitty. I never watched the, the, the tiger show. Should I feel bad about that, that I missed that? 
<clears throat> Anyhow, and anyway, let's move forward, shall we? Um, I think that Best Buy has a great online presence. They have one of the best online presences. Maybe better than Amazon when it comes to electronics. I know they're competitively priced well with Amazon. I know that if I need a television, an iPad, an Xbox, a Nintendo, I can probably get it at Best Buy and or Amazon. I'm not thinking Target. I'm not thinking Walmart. Those are consumer products that we have and we want. Best Buy has seen a surge in sales of items from laptops to kitchen appliances as people work from home. During the six weeks Best Buy closed stores beginning in March, it retained 81% of its sales. It retained 81% of its sales. That is, let's stop and clap for that. I went to a Best Buy early on in the, pandem in the pandemic. I actually bought a soundbar that I would need to return. Pre-pandemic, I bought it. Then I tested it out on the TV, and the TV was so old that it couldn't handle the HDMI connection or something like that. So I had to return it. So I go to a Best Buy, and their employees were sitting, standing in the parking lot. Like, they had this whole contactless thing going. Best Buy began opening up most of its stores to customers back in May. But you had to schedule appointments, um, especially for customers, you know, it made it kind of uh, exclusive, and people liked that. Best Buy staffers would tell them that they needed to make an appointment online before they come in first. It's very difficult to retain and retrain your employees, retain a customer and retrain your employees on that kind of shopping expectation. I'll talk a little more about Best Buy when we come back. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220, KDOW. Welcome in. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money investor. I want to uh, finish talking a little bit about Best Buy and what a great job they did through the pandemic. Uh, I put a lot of work into this concept of trying to understand the future of retail. I do believe that this is going to have lingering effects, the pandemic. Maybe I'm wrong, but so far we're not back to normal. Competition is widening the gap with the haves and the haves-nots in retail. Best Buy is attempting to expand into new areas that have been hit by the pandemic. I really like how strong and aggressive they're being. This holiday season, there's going to be more sales of electronics. And Best Buy, Amazon, Walmart, Target, and Costco all want the customer. Best Buy is getting squeezed by higher costs with the rise in online orders, which are expensive for retailers. Uh, they're more expensive to handle than in-store purchases due to shipping costs. But at the same time, can you figure out the math of going automated and dropping a couple of employees here and there, and going automated and dropping retail leasing space here and there? Best Buy's gross profit rate fell 1.2 1. 1. percentage points. 
So they're coming in right around 22.8%. Companies like Apple, and a better way of saying it is Dell, because I think it'll make more sense to you, or Intel, they're going to sell millions and millions of computers and millions and millions of computer chips. And it gets lost in that, that you have a retail price of 100 bucks and the gross margins are 32%. But if they're able to sell millions and millions and millions at a gross profit margin of 33%, Wall Street gets interested. So this is, this is data that you drill down into that will drive you crazy. When you see their profit rate hit 22.8% during the pandemic, but then again, you're, uh, you're all going, come on, that's during the pandemic, guys. That's not bad. Online retail sales will grow 18.5% this holiday. That's the fastest since 2008. When we started inventing things like Cyber Monday, the pandemic is pushing Best Buy and other retailers to begin promotions earlier than ever. Um, and that's also going to pressure profits. And some of it's going to be pulled forward. One of my kids is doing more online schooling. And as we've divided up the house into classrooms, for lack of a better word, we upped his game. We threw more electronics in it. I wanted it to be a parent that would never, ever put a TV in a kid's room. And now I'm more comfortable than ever with a TV in a kid's room. More comfortable than ever with a computer in his room. Remember when you had these idealistic thoughts as a parent, like, my kid, I'm going to watch him on the internet. I'm going to watch him like a hawk. And then you're like, eh, go, go get on the internet. Dad wants to watch a baseball game. Growth of online shopping means that Best Buy stores will need to change. We've known that since the late 90s. Stores will likely continue to play a greater role for Best Buy in fulfilling delivery. They've spent money on getting goods to you from their store to you, which is going to be higher shipping and labor costs. But I think they've done a pretty nice job. And again, I kind of wanted to tie this up and say, I thought that they survived Amazon in the 90s or the early 2000s. And now they've survived a pandemic and they've reshaped things. I'm digging it. I, I dig that I have a sound bar that I can take back and I can go curbside and say, here, can you go give me a refund on that? And he's like, okay, give me your credit card. I'll go get your refund. Mm, that's good for me. I don't like getting out of my car. I know you're saying you have a car. <laughs> Speaking of cars, I think that's the one area of the debate that I've finally figured out where we can say Biden and Trump agree. During the 2020 presidential debate, which was historic in its, how shall we say, interruptions, now they're talking about rules changes, that they're going to put a mute button out there for the moderator to mute one of the two speakers. I love that. That's going to be so hilarious watching in action. But they both agree electric vehicles have something to offer. That's good news for the battery makers and the automakers. Tesla, Ford, General Motors, Panasonic, QuantumScape. The IEE the International Energy Agency said sales of electric cars is going to hit 2.1 million globally last year. That's about 2.6% of all cars sold. We're going to move towards 10% by 2025 in the United States. 
if you don't have an electric vehicle, there's a very, very good chance you'll think about one. There's a good chance you'll shop for one. You may not get it. I want my gas-powered vehicle. I like the smell of diesel in the morning. I get it. The comfort of changing is uncomfortable. For part of Biden's climate plan, it includes dedicating government spending to support electric vehicles. Biden said during the debate, we're going to make sure that we are able to take that federal fleet and turn it into a fleet that's run on electric vehicles. Making sure we can do that, we're going to put 500,000 charging stations on all the highways, and we're going to be building in the future into the roads. That's great. I like that idea. I hate that idea. I still, uh, how do I feel about let's say an electric vehicle has 250-mile range. Or let's say you forgot to charge it before you go on vacation. I'm not sure how I feel about charging stations. But I'm thinking about it. And I like that you know part of our infrastructure plan could be building out more charging stations across the country. I'm not big in rest areas. I get their function. I'm not big in charging stations. I get their function. Do I use rest Stations, sure. Which, for the record, the East Coast has a way, way better set of highways as far as like um, rest stops. You can, like, stop and get a slice of pizza. In California, you can go into a dirty bathroom and fall asleep, but that's about it. <clears throat> so, most electric vehicle owners can charge overnight at home. It's not always practical to charge when you're in the city, it's not always practical to charge when you're on a, a vacation. In exchange with Wallace, Donald Trump said, relaxation of the fuel economy standards, the president said he also supports electric vehicles. So he kind of hit both. He kind of wants to tell Detroit, keep making gas guzzlers. But he's also telling Elon Musk, keep making electric vehicles. We just want to sell them. Trump's quote was, I'm okay with electric cars. I'm all for electric cars. I've given big incentives for electric cars. What they've done in California is just crazy. So they didn't really like Gavin Newsom say that we're going to phase out all electric cars by 2035. But <clears throat> this is going to be a big investment trend. It's still happening. Let's go way, way back when I said 2.5% of global cars are electric. Okay. You could see that there's a lot of growth there. And I, I'll almost compare it, if you'll let me. Just something along the lines of um, uh, Apple with a Mac. Their personal computer penetration rate is low. Their hand uh, cell phone is high. They figured out that market. If they could do the same growth in PCs, personal computer sales, if they can get the same market share, that stop would go up fivefold. They can't figure it out. They've grown the business probably as much as they can grow it. For some reason, PC users are comfortable with PC. Phone, Apple phone users are comfortable with Apple phones. They don't necessarily have to go one-on-one. <clears throat> but electric vehicles, you can see that if we grow from 2.6% globally to 4%, we're almost doubling. From 4% to 8%, we're doubling. What will be the penetration rate? 
we're thinking 10% by 2025. So we're at 2.9 right now. Oh, 2.6, I'm sorry. So 2.6 all the way up to 9.1. That's that's exponential. That's big. Or as my president of the United States would say, that's bigly. That's bigly. <clears throat> I love it when people in Congress or politics have to think on their feet. They come up with words like bigly. I have to think on my feet. I have to think of words every freaking day that aren't going to get me in trouble and will express a concept or two along the way. Susie Orman. I love her. I hate her. I've met her before and it was uncomfortable. She knows I dislike her. There's people in the financial community that spread information that I'm mostly comfortable with. And yet some of it's uncomfortable. I will talk a little bit about that because I think she's filled with conflict. I think she messes up advice. One year it was Christmas and I was all by myself. I didn't have a love. I didn't have friends. I was in a new area. So I sat down on Christmas morning and I watched Susie Orman. And that's where my hate of Susie Orman came from. We'll talk about that more when we come back. You listen to me, Rob Black, talking all things financial. A little kabuki-style show, a little kabuki-style music. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. little ska music. You know what I like about ska music? I can dance to it. I'm not a great dancer. I know you're saying, but you do ballet. I know. But for me, ska music's great because you just jog in place. Move your arms like in a jogging motion. Maybe do a little bit of robot with them. Move your feet in a jogging motion and you're a dancer. Oh, no. No probably don't want me teaching that to your children, but you do want me talking about weekly jobless claims. Okay, I get it. I get it. And you're using me for my brain. I know. (laughs) Something like that, right? So weekly jobless claims fell as the economic recovery is grinding onward. Okay. I'm throwing it down. You need to pick it up. Pick it up. What am I saying? Jobless claims are holding at historically high levels. Tomorrow, good God, the week has gone by fast. Is tomorrow, tomorrow, Friday? Tomorrow is Friday? Sweet. That's a winner, winner, chicken dinner. So 63 million unemployment insurance filings made throughout the coronavirus pandemic trounced the 37 million filings during the 18-month Great Recession. So if we were to go back in time, 2008, we got to the point where 37 million people were filing for, I've lost my job. This was when Bear Stearns, the Lehman Brothers, this is when retail, this was probably your last great chance to buy real estate. And it'll happen again. But if you bought during that period of time, you might have actually 
paid under asking, just to give you a concept of how long it's been. So the nearly 63 million unemployment insurance filings made throughout the coronavirus trounced the 37 million filings during the 18-month Great Recession. I often like to couch things in T-shirts. If you can put on a T-shirt, it's awesome. So things like, I survived the Great Recession and all I got is this stupid shirt. You could kind of do that with what we're seeing in jobless claims. And I'm going to tell you, the pandemic, it statistically right there, 63 million, 37 million. Okay, now I know 37 times two is bigger than 63. So it's not two times as much. But unemployment claims and being fired, it's not necessarily, you're not looking for a factor of two. You're looking at exponential movements of this is this is far greater. House Democrats are poised to vote on a $2.2 trillion proposal this week that includes a $600 per week expansion to unemployment benefits. I love CFP Chad Burton. He, at one point in time on his show, which is on an hour before the show starts, said something along the lines of his kid got more money on unemployment than he actually got when he was employed. So why would he want to be employed? And he talks about his kids because he makes his kids go to work, which is awesome. His kid may work like a Walmart. Um, so when he gets the unemployment claim and doesn't have to go into work, it's, it's a fascinating life lesson to learn and to watch unfold. So those weekly jobs claims are miserable. Tomorrow is the first Friday of the month. Um, my name is Cinder Rumpelstiltskin. I like to mash all of my childhood stories together. Uh, fairy tales, I think, should all be Cinder Rumpelstiltskins. Tomorrow is a jobs number. And as a guy who wants to fall asleep for 29 days and wake up on the one day of the month that's important, it's tomorrow. When we see the employment levels in the United States economy, when we're at 4%, invest your freaking fracking mind out. Do it. You got this. When we're at 10% employment levels, it's a little more challenging. When we're at 14 to 20%, it's the most miserable part of the economy you can imagine. It stinks. As an investor, it's brutal. What's interesting, though, people like myself and CFP Chad Burton, we probably sleep better in down markets than we do in up markets. Everyone has sleep issues. I get it. As I've gotten older, I get up four times a night to pee. Not quite, but you get the idea. Um, the employment numbers come out tomorrow. It is much easier for people like me and Chad Burton to operate in an environment of 4% employment, 4% unemployment, 4% unemployment than it is at 10. But with that said, our work is e is tougher when things are good. It's counterintuitive, but that's the way you should be thinking. Anyone can pick stocks. Trust me. I get it. It's not that hard. You, you have some tenants that you live by and you, 
you groom those over your life and you get better and better. But doing it in good times and bad times changes the variable. I once knew a financial planner who had, and I don't want to say his name, but I want to say his name, but I don't want to say his name. He had this, and he knows he's listening right now. He's in Walnut Creek. That's all I'll say. Um, his first name might be, no, I'm not going to say that. Um, <laughs> he had models that basically said, these are my stock models for a good economy. These are my stock models for an average economy. These are my stock models for bad economy. And he didn't really deviate from that. He was very kind of like, <clears throat> you kind of expected to go into his house and see his, his drawer, his dresser drawer. And you'd see like Monday's underwear, Tuesday's underwear, Wednesday's underwear, Thursday, I'm going to do a little gardening. So it's be different underwear. Fridays, I'm going to do something sexy with my wife. So it's going to be way different underwear. And you kind of thought he would have these like prepackaged. It's not the worst thing in the world. It's not my style. It's a little dry, but I get it. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing more. Find me online at robblackshow.com.